Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Contingency Plan Podcast. My name is Jedi Master David, and with me, as always, is Darth Austin. Hello, everyone. Oh, boy, another week of Kenobi uh, countdown mania countdown to Kenobi mania. Hundred years, Kenobi. Hundred countdown. Hundred years, hundred years. <laughs> Kenobi, me, me, Kenobi, hundred years. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy, here we go again. So, <laughs> we actually got more things to talk about this week, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You don't um, even know what we're going to talk about. I do. I do, <laughs> to some extent. Because you actually gave me a heads up for once. Uh, I mean, like right before, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I read the article, so it's good. At least the portion that we we're going to talk about. <laughs> Did not take the time to read. I'm not the fastest reader. Well, I mean, like literally giving you only a couple of minutes, as I told you what we were going to uh, do today. Yeah, I... I um. You, Remember you, when we used to do like a weekly oh yeah, we did. list of like the, the Jedi Council. Those were the dark and then times. The Newsnet, and it was like two and a half freaking hours, and all we get through <laughs> is two articles and a damn chapter of a book. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Different times, man. Well, but but also to be fair though, there was a lot more interesting news then. For sure. And I feel like we probably both had a little bit more spare time to prepare for all this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that that is very true. Um, I mean, I've told, I've talked to you about it, but I, you know, I've kind of been, um, just not, not really watching, uh, or listening to many podcasts, uh, really haven't been going too much over like, you know, Star Wars news and all that stuff, mainly because, um, well, it, it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> Burnout. <laughs> Well, it, you, you know, we, we kind of got into that that uh, scheme of things where everything was like um, really negative, really negative stuff, I would mm-hmm. say. And uh, yeah, that gets old because we're, we're not actually negative people. I mean, we, we have our opinions, obviously, but um, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't say we're we're negative uh, <clears throat> from yeah, the standpoint we're not negative people but at the same time it's easy to get bogged down with it so it's important to stay away from all that as much as possible i feel like sure yeah and and i mean we're happy to give criticism where criticism is due but you know we're not we're not a clickbait podcast no so no very proudly yeah we we (laughs) just we don't really chase chase too much that you know and, and we've talked about this before uh we don't really release things like day of, you know, everything it's Monday, <clears throat> you'll get it Monday morning, <laughs> whatever yeah. it might be. Um, so yeah, there you go. Um, uh, but we do have, uh, some, some news to talk about and we're also going to go over, uh, brotherhood. Is it brotherhoods or brotherhood? Brotherhood. Just brotherhood. Star Wars brotherhood. It's a book. Uh, we're going to go over that and, uh, yeah, just whatever the heck else we can pop off whatever on. Whatever we want. That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, you know, so Twitter's a thing, right? Sort of, you know, maybe Elon Not for Musk me, will but nuke yes. it. Who knows? Yes, it is. We, we have no idea. Uh, funny enough, though, you know, we, we don't really like, we don't, we don't hawk any social media, really. Um, but interestingly enough, we did get followed by Wikipedia this week. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of fun. 
Nice. That's actually, I've got three pages of Wikipedia pulled up with different information about the book. I use mm-hmm. the crap out of it. We, yeah, we, we actually do. We, we use them uh, about as much as a Star Trek fan uses like Memory Alpha. So there you go. Good, good stuff there. Good Twitter at TC Plan Podcast. So now I don't have to say it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Between that and the uh, Podbean shout out, we got probably six, eight months ago was moving up there. Uh, well, yeah, and Podbean's actually been pretty nice to us over the years. You know, they've uh, yeah. <clears throat> they've featured the podcast Unbidden um, several times in, in different playlists and stuff. So that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, compared to like YouTube algorithms and all that, they definitely have given us a lot more shout outs. Well, not I mean, that I expect anything off YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is just a direct unvideoed, you know, port of the podcast, and we. We don't really do anything with video much, so uh, yeah. But you know, who knows? Maybe one day, maybe one day that'll be cool, or probably not. I'm sure everyone wants to see my uh, breaker panel in the background and Heck my yeah. my guitars that are directly behind me. Yeah, you can't even see them. There, that's funny. A I, I I was doing a code review with a mentor um, last Thursday, and. It was with one other person, and I didn't really look at his screen any, and he just randomly, my mentor was like, oh, nice guitars. I'm like, yeah, thank you. And then I look at him. He's got like three displayed up on the wall, and I look behind me, look at my screen, it's like, oh, no one can even tell I have guitars. <laughs> <laughs> now I look like a jerk. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the wonders of creeping on people's backgrounds in Zoom. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I did recently discover, and this is really dumb, but... I did recently discover this. You can't you can't see it in listener land, but ooh, everything's blurred now until I move around really fast and then stuff gets sort of unblurred. It tracks kind of weird, but you know, I've <laughs> seen that before on like YouTube videos that show Zoom calls. I always assumed that was just a plug-in. I didn't think that was something you do direct. How do you do that? Uh, we'll talk about it later. It, it's it's okay. it's actually like if you if you just it's, hover over the video, the three dots, and it'll blur my background. But anyway, so oh, we, oh, you nice. know we're we're literate, we're computer literate. He's learning to code, yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and get rolling here. So, how's your week been? Not too bad. Not too bad. We uh, celebrated our birthdays, and you guys got to stop by th- for that for a little bit. That was a good time. Mm-hmm. My birthday is tomorrow, so. Mm. Be spending that entire day doing both uh, 10 hours of OSHA work and school work at the same time. I can't wait. I'm so happy I'm not getting paid to do any of that. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, the week's been pretty good. I had yesterday off, did some school work, did some summer things that need attending to, weed spray and all that fun stuff. And Yeah, yeah. it's been a good week so far. How about you? Uh, yeah, it's 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 been it's been fine. Nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, getting getting into the <clears throat> the lawn mowing, the fun fun adulty stuff. That's always that's always sweet. Yeah, I was gonna get uh, some uh, uh, weed and feed this year, and I'm really glad I haven't because my lawn has just exploded. I'm <laughs> I'm mowing like twice a week right now. Nah, it's, you don't need it. But no, no, I mean, aside from that, I did, uh, I, I got a, I, you know, I rotate in and out pedals. I got this guy, Ooh. the Maestro Fuzz Tone. That's a fun pedal. It's, it's, uh, you know, recreate, well, semi-recreation of the old Maestro Fuzz Tone, which 
if you care, was uh, basically the, uh, I think it technically was the first effect pedal that was ever made. They, uh, yeah. they advertised it to make your guitar sound like a horn. I don't know. You had that one massive effect pedal that was mm. pretty fun. Yeah, that was the Electro Harmonics. Uh, ooh, what was that? Yeah, that was uh, Mel, the, the Mel 9. That was a disc, right? The larger disc one? No, 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 no. No, you're talking about like the Fuzz Face, the big disc. Oh, that was a Fuzz Face. No, that's the no. Fuzz Face. Uh, no, the, the Mel 9 was one that made all the like... That it was designed off of um, a tape tape fed organ thing, and they just recreated the the tapes and the pedal digitally. But yeah, it emulated stuff like a like a saxophone and and a violin and a choir and stuff like that. It was it was cool. It was it was actually pretty neat. Tracked pretty well. Nice. So yeah, did you no. do anything with that other pedal, the one that I? Gave you two weeks ago, three weeks ago now? Yeah, I, I've played around with it a little bit. The old uh, Digitech, uh, what was it? Uh, Distortion Factory. Yeah. yeah what a, what an interesting trip that's been. Because uh, that that pedal, I mean, Digitech it was a uh, the digital brand of DoD, <clears throat> which was, um, you know, one of the kind of original slash bigger American pedal companies uh, through the... Um, I think they started in the late seventies and mm -hmm. uh, eventually went, no, you know what? I think they survived kind of the boss bankruptcy years of like the eighties with soft switching and all that sort of stuff. Um, if you guys, if any of you out there are like guitar minded people, just go look up like the JHS channel on YouTube. He does a lot of like historical junk and explains a lot of that, but yeah, that was an old pedal that I bought years ago for like 20 bucks, and it emulates a bunch of different pedals. So, yeah, that's been kind of fun. This is now, I think, the second or third uh, episode we've done where we've had guitar talk. So, <laughs> so yeah, very right. interesting. Hey, the Jedi Council can do whatever it wants, and if meditating and becoming one with the Force requires a little bit of guitar talk, then damn it, it requires some guitar talk. There you go. It's good stuff. <laughs> Well, I suppose, uh, because this might get a little long here, let's go ahead and uh, just barrel into this Vanity Fair article. So Kathleen Kennedy did a little interview with Vanity Fair. Uh, and for those of you who can't read it, sorry, there's plenty of people who have been regurgitating this uh, you know, all day, basically. But uh, I had my one free view of the site, so <laughs> I actually Tells get to look at it. Tells you how much we care about Vanity Fair. <laughs> yeah, just don't... Uh, I'm not paying for this garbage. Uh, and, and yeah, just don't re refresh the page. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. Whoever thought we would get to the point where anybody would care enough to pay for these sites, and that's pretty much why they're going down, because nobody will. But yeah. anyway. Heck, uh, CNN Plus is getting, like, axed. You know, that's like CNN. Really? And, you know, no matter what you want to say about, like, political affiliations and stuff, it is CNN. And yeah. their little appy thing just did no numbers. So it is what it is. Um, but anyway, so Vanity Fair, there were a couple of things that riled up uh, Star Wars fans and none more poignant than uh, Kathleen Kennedy's sort of um, uh, opinions here on Solo, a Star Wars story. 
Uh, so I'm going to read here a little bit, then we'll do a little reacties and, uh, you know, then we'll kind of go from there. So, uh, the question is posed. I don't want to put word, put you in an awkward spot, but was this, uh, an understanding you, you've come to that was developed from solo. I don't want to trash old Aaron Reich. I think he did a good job. I like that. They put that in red. Okay. Guilty yeah. conscience much, <laughs> but the idea that you can't, you can't really replace Luke Skywalker. Was that something you learned from that movie or how would you put it? And Kennedy's response, maybe. As you say it, Anthony, maybe. I think back and Solo was one of the first ideas that came up uh, when the company was sold. One of the first people I was uh, I went to was Larry uh, uh, Larry Kasdan. Uh, Larry and I had uh, known each other forever. He was so excited to tell that story. We genuinely believed at the time it was a good idea. So first paragraph. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, so yeah, that uh, there should be moments along the way when you learn things. Uh, that may have been, uh, that may have certainly been a learning moment. Uh, some people have talked about how well maybe Solo should have been a TV show. But even doing Solo as TV uh, without Harrison Ford as Han Solo, it's the same thing. Maybe I should have recognized this before. We would never make Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford. Having uh, just finished fifth movie, I could tell you, blah, 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 blah. Um, Goes on a little bit more about her Indiana Jones expostulation. Uh, with Star Wars, everyone talks about a feeling they have about Star Wars. That's an intangible idea you're looking for. So um, essentially, we have a lot of people going on about this. Um, basically, that it seems like the lesson that Kathleen Kennedy is talking about learning here is that you cannot recast existing characters. And... Uh, it does also talk in here a little bit sort of about the um, really the the less than stellar box office of Solo. Uh, so we've talked about this before, but for I guess first reaction about the uh, about the article. What do you think? Well, it's definitely uh, it's pretty clear what her opinion of this movie is. And I, at this point, I just. I accept that we are the only people that like Solo, and <laughs> I, I don't understand why. I think I think that it's a great movie, personally. Uh, Alden did a great job, and I don't get this hang-up about recast. I really don't. I mean, yeah, it sucks that he can't do these movies necessarily anymore. One, he doesn't want to. He's made it very clear. And two... It's an origin story. Why would it be? Why would it have to be the same person when this is a, a movie that's you know forty, fifty plus years old? Why does it matter <laughs> that we have a new cast, and why does everyone have to hate on this movie so much? I thought it did a good job. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've ranted about this before. I don't want to you know get too crazy with it, but. I, it's disappointing to kind of see her admit that it was a mistake when I don't think it was a mistake person. I think it was at a point of burnout with Star Wars and it just kind of got the blunt end of it, whereas Rogue One didn't and a lot of other things didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, opening day, <clears throat> well, 
Let's okay. So opening day, we had uh, Friday, May twenty fifth of twenty eighteen, thirty five million three hundred seventy five thousand one hundred twenty five. Uh, opening day weekend, a total of eighty four million four hundred twenty thousand four hundred eighty nine dollars. Um, and then total gross that they kind of had calculated here. Um, a shade under 400 million, right? To a budget of mm-hmm. 275, uh, 275 million dollars, right? So, first and foremost, from a strictly monetary standpoint, you could say potentially that the movie was a flop because it didn't hit the billion mark that effectively everything else has. Also, while it made up for its budget, I think the common argument is it didn't then compensate or would have just broken even for, you know, the marketing machine, right? Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. there's been a lot of talk, and we, we talked about this back then, about reshoots, you know, uh, directors leaving, Ron Howard coming in, cleaning house, Maybe Alden Ehrenreich needs acting lessons on the set. Um, A lot of things that went wrong with this movie, something that could have really went down in flames. So I'll pose a couple of questions. One, is it perhaps time for Star Wars to maybe rethink uh, attempting to cast unknown, like completely unknown actors for roles? I'm not saying go straight to like, you know, the, the mega list, like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp. Well, maybe not so much anymore, but anyway, he might be coming <laughs> back. You never know. Uh, yeah. So is or, it, or some, or maybe like newer generation, like Tom Holland or someone like that, you know, fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is, is it, is it perhaps time to get real with, some of the mistakes that you made as a company towards this movie, because let me hit you with this. And again, this is stuff we've talked about before. Why was the movie released when it was released? You're talking about months after one of the most controversial star Wars movies in the last Jedi, no matter if you like it or not, it was controversial. And then I think it was like a month released after uh, Endgame. Like Endgame was also released right around the same time. Like, look, I don't want to be mean, but how dumb is that marketing department? Like, what the hell were they thinking? This could have been, I don't know, any other month. Like, so you don't want to release it like in December, like all the other movies. Release it in in November or September or, you know, some. A year away from any other release. It's you, yeah. It's it's dumb. That to me is where I start to get a little furious, because the conversation leads around the actor. It leads around the reshoots. It leads around. Look, you got Ron Howard in there, and he sorted it out. Okay. In the end, you got a what I would call a great product, and an actor who I think did a a good job. Of and, and this is not a diss, but impersonating a character that we all know. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with Alden Ehrenreich's portrayal of Han Solo. I don't think that at all. Um, 
they, I think there was somewhere in here where they vaguely mentioned about, um, about Lando, the re- recast of Lando, uh, with Glover. And Look, they, I don't, I don't know who's going to diss that. Well, and that's the thing. Who else is going to play Lando? Well, hold on. But what I'm saying is they didn't, you know, mm. and there, there's even been talk about potentially, you know, well, no, we've talked about this too. There, there's talk about, a Calrissian Chronicles yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of Lando series. And that would be cool. I, I'm down. I'm down for it. I mean, I like Lando, and I and I also like Donald Glover. I mean, I, I like the character. I like the portrayal. But to, to put this, seemingly to put this on uh, a recast is, quite frankly, not being honest about the entire picture, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think that it is deflecting away from terrible decisions. And look... We are not Kathleen Kennedy bashers, nor are we Kathleen Kennedy apologists. At the end of the day, she is the, you know what, the, the, the Kevin Feige of, of this division, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you can't say everything's her fault, but at the same time, it's her final decision. So <laughs> you, you, I, I don't think it's fair to blame an actor who I don't necessarily think did a bad portrayal of Han for the entire movie slop. There is a lot of other factors, like you said, tied in with that. And it's, it's kind of a cop out. I feel like, yeah, it, it is. And like, how, how does they didn't blame acting on the issues with last Jedi? Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, we've talked about Last Jedi at nauseum. It had nothing to do with the acting or the visuals. It had everything to do with the story. Mm-hmm. You know, the story wasn't quite what everybody I think had amped themselves up for. It is what it is. Um, but well, Clone Wars episode two. You could make a lot of inference in there about. Possibly not the greatest acting, although I recently rewatched it and had less of opinion, less of a, a, a negative opinion of the acting and more of a negative opinion of the CGI at the time, the over computer yeah. generated stuff of that time frame. Um, and, uh, and I was like, OK, well, it's not like it's not great. It is probably for me not probably the lowest rated movie for me in in the line but it's not it's not as terrible i think as people make it out to be but you could make a lot of um a lot of uh references to the to the acting in that movie because it was awkward of course Mm -hmm. they were also you know somewhat teenagers in love which is awkward (laughs) right you know Um, not to mention you're trying to portray uh, a Essentially, still mentally a child, Anakin, who had a lot of issues. I mean, the whole sand yeah. joke. There, there's an the actually good examples of that in this book that we're about to talk about. Why it's such an such an obsession for his hatred for sand. Yep. <laughs> and pears. Mm. And pears. You know what I could use right now? Just a nice a CGI juicy pear. Nice juicy pear. <sighs> How'd you like to start your career in movies being the guy who CGI'd the pair? Oh boy. For Star Wars. Somebody at <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody back there, he's just so what you're telling me is you want me to computer generate a pair. Yes. And we want you to Why can't you just float a pair 
to the other side of the table. Just float. Because we have this new technology, and it costs a lot of money. we got to use it wherever we can. I'd CGI Hayden Christensen if I could. <laughs> Just float that pear perfectly onto Padme's fork. It's like the butt end of the pear. Just get it done. And don't make it look super weird when it sits down on the plate. I'm going to make it weird. I'm going to make it really weird when I cut it. Oh, and by the way, we all love Natalie, so uh, don't don't tell her how to eat the CGI pear. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's fine. Oh, boy. Now we're just bashing episode two. Can you just imagine, like, <laughs> they're shooting it, and he just keeps yelling, it's a pear. It's a, eat it like you'd eat a pear. It's a pear. It's a pear. <laughs> all right, fine. Eat it like an apple. No, that's worse. Eat it like a banana. No, God, no. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. All right. We, 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 let, let, let's, let's keep it rolling here. So comments. I'm not a huge fan of, of this particular section here. I think it's, I think it's a cop. It's out. a cop out. Yeah. Um, we do have some stuff in here, you know, kind of asked about her opinion of Deborah Chow, who is, over, uh, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, so on and so forth. We did also have a little brief uh, dalliance with, um, you know, Ray Kenobi. It's like, why? Why didn't you make her a Kenobi? And <laughs> I mean, essentially, you know, some of the answer, uh, the bigger issue is talking about Obi-Wan as a master Jedi and the issue of attachment and selflessness. Uh, and in order for Obi-Wan to have a child, you are really, really impacting the rules of the Jedi. The Jedi Order is destroyed, so it doesn't really matter. We already know that he had, you know, kind of a relationship with Satine. And basically every woman who ever encounters Obi-Wan Kenobi basically wants him. I think that, that that's even universally true in this book, I think. Like everybody is yeah. just, it's like, it's the locks, man. It's, it's that hair and that beard. Yeah. Except for Padme. Padme thinks it's funny as hell. That's true. We'll get into that. <laughs> but it, I, I think in reference to that, I think she didn't want to trod on George Lucas's sort of mythology. Fair? Sure. Yeah, I get that. A except for all the other things she trods on. But that's fine. But <laughs> Oh, now oh, now you're bashing old Kathleen. How no, could, how no, could you, Disney pig? You are a pig. I'm sexist, and I'm... I'm Hateful. You're a hateful. Terrible person. You're ha hateful. Yes. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Sith. What do you expect? Goodness. Well, anyway, uh, the, the rest of this does kind of seem to want to move away from established stuff. Uh, one of the questions here, I know the Acolyte hasn't started shooting yet, but that's also on the horizon for Lucasfilms. Uh, that series is not as tied into characters we already know, right? <laughs> That one uh, sits right on the edge of the High Republic. It's a bit of an experiment for us because it isn't building within the timeline and the era that John and Dave are. Uh, it isn't necessarily going to uh, be where features are. We are moving into a new era with uh, what showrunner uh, Leslie Headland is doing. Uh, there are certainly reflections of things that people are going to recognize and it will have connectivity to, in Star Wars uh, but this will be a whole new era of storytelling if we determine, like we did with The Mandalorian, that it works and that there's interest. I think there will be. I actually think that this statement is very interesting because it's like it feels crazy skittish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like 
It'll be a whole new st- uh, uh, era like the Mandalorian. You remember that? Oh, yeah, grow up, baby Yodas, uh, that it works. And, and if there's interest, and I, I, I think there will be. It's like, dude, <laughs> what? How many billions are you going to commit to this? And you're going to say something like, if there's interest. <laughs> Like, what are you going to do, change the era halfway through the trilogy? Yeah, and I think I, I think I remember reading that the Acolyte is like 100 years uh, before um, uh, episode one, Phantom Menace. So I, I think if I remember reading what I read, and that was indeed the right thing, I think this was kind of maybe attempting to explain a little bit of how the Sith could have gotten a, a foothold with these <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> Plagueis Master. Plagueis Master. Have you ever heard the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Timer three. Just a timer three. He was so wise (sighs) that he wasn't wise. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only thing that would actually make this interesting for me. Honestly, is, is it being tied to Plagueis? I don't know how long. Oh, I, I don't think that lived their been, species is, but yeah, I don't think that that's really been uh, been uh, discussed exactly. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I, I want to continue on with a couple more of these here. How important is it to get outside the gravity of the Skywalker saga, moving beyond the characters we know? How vital is it to open up those new realms? And her response was, "I think it is vital." Uh, Just staying within the construction of George's storytelling to keep chipping away at that, I think, would be wrong. It's our job to step away now, but still have a connection to the mythology that George created. That won't stop, but we are moving on from the Skywalker saga. That's what's taking a lot of time, discussion, and thought right now. And then continuing, is publishing the test kitchen for some of these new eras? It is. That's something we put into motion about five years ago because we don't have the benefit of just pulling a book off the shelf. First of all, that is complete BS because you had the benefit. You just destroyed it all. You could have done anything you wanted. (laughs) This is interesting. And and I I, I think it, it speaks to a little bit of the revisionist here. And look, I get it. All the legend stuff is not all good. Okay. We, we were, sure. you know, we, uh, last week, what was it? Um, the approaching storm kind of mm-hmm. meh, right? Yeah. Kind of meh. Like these things do happen, but to say that you don't have the benefit is complete. It's, it's completely ridiculous. However, this is also something I'm connecting here that, okay. So publishing is the test kitchen. Cool. But guess what? Not many people are talking about these books. At least not right. that I can find. Yeah. And so what's it? What kind of test kitchen is that? Without the feedback from the books, what are you going to do with that information? You barely have anything to go off of. You'll barely have anything to go off of with this book that we're about to review for the next like two, three months, more than likely, unless it just explodes for right. some reason because of Kenobi. <sighs> yeah. And it's funny to me, like, the beginning of her statement almost sounds like something that potentially could have been said when they bought Star Wars. <laughs> like, almost a bit of remorse yeah. in that comment. Again, not being hateful, not bashing, but you could have said that before the Skywalker saga. 
came to an end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so really, really interesting. Uh, there was also a continuation of that and he just says, and adapting it. Uh, as we look at where Star Wars is going, we don't just assume it's only going to be on television and in movie theaters. That's another evolution we're having a lot of conversation around. How's that an evolution? There's always been books. Yeah. Kind of interesting. <laughs> There's some talk about VR, but I don't, I don't really care about that all that much. Um, metaverse, man. Put Star Wars in the metaverse. Well, it's even more than it already is. It'll be there, dude. Don't even worry about that. Um, Let's see here. So we do get a little bit of talk into some of the, in quotation, new movies. Um, We did learn a couple of things. So one, uh, Taika Waititi's, I'm sure, am I saying that right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully. Uh, His film, which is still untitled, is presumably going to be first. Uh, then it looks like Rogue Squadron kind of after that. And get this. <laughs> I know this is going to surprise you, dude. Put your shocked face on. The Ryan Johnson trilogy is on the back burner. Why? Because he's too busy with Knives Out 2. Yeah. Yeah. So so <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard gets a chance? Dude, how many times <laughs> do we have to say this stuff? What, she how- is the de facto... I'm I'm saying her and Filoni and Favreau. You, you know, th- th- this is oh my god. This is where I start to get into a little bit of Kennedy bashing here. A little bit. And I don't want it to be, but I it's getting in here. Look. You I know you want to do what you think works, but what has worked right now has been Mando. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett was a little bit of a stumble, but there were some some moments. But not effectively... Thro- Every studio in history would do this. Why are you not throwing everything you have behind John Favreau, effectively, Dave Filoni, which they kind of are. He's always around. Yeah. And for the love of God, can we just get Bryce Dallas Howard... Her own thing. Just her, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's if it's a if, it, if it's a, a TV series that she just does throughout. No other split directors. Just her throughout, or just get her a movie. Yeah. I I don't I don't know how much any era she could probably do any era and it'd be fine. <laughs> I just I just don't. Get I think it. she could actually get me excited about High Republic. To be quite honest. Yeah, it, it's it just doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, there was a little bit here. So uh, Ryan Johnson has been unbelievably busy with Knives Out and the deal he has made with Netflix for multiple movies. So what I can infer from this is a couple things. I don't think Ryan Johnson's interested. Right. OK, <laughs> I don't think he's interested at all. Uh, I like Knives Out, the first one. I'm sure the second one will be fun. I don't think I I, I, I haven't watched Knives Out, the first one again because it was good mm-hmm. once, but then I know what happened and I don't need to watch it again. Um, Knives Out 2, I'm sure it'll be fun. What he's doing for Netflix, honestly, who cares? Right. Who? Uh, no offense, and, and but that's, who cares? That's the opinion that everyone from Disney should be taking to. Like the fact that she has to defend him for that. Like, well, 
We we want him to be on Star Wars, but he's really busy with something that's way below Star Wars. It's paying him a lot less than Star Wars. Well, I, right I don't know what the numbers are for that, but it, it continues a little bit here. Anyone who comes into the Star Wars universe needs to know that it's a three, four, five-year commitment. That's what it mm -hmm. takes. You can't step in for a year and shoot something and then walk away. It just doesn't work that way, so it requires that kind of nurturing. So that almost seems like... Except for the Skywalker. So he's so, definitely yeah. not interested, and you aren't interested in him as much because he didn't right. commit. That's Which tough, is funny because you're giving other people one movie, like Tygo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What else is there in here? I think we're getting towards the end. Um, yeah, the rest, is, rest isn't all that interesting to me. So, yeah, Ryan Johnson on hold. Taika Waititi is coming through first, then probably Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron. Um, uh, Was she no part longer of the Mando team as well? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. She okay. did uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, she did the nineteen eighty four. I think she, she did both. I think she okay. did both cool. of the Wonder Woman movies. Uh, no longer wanting to cast new actors as young versions of of the classic characters. Yeah, I mean CGI is so much better than actually giving an actor a chance. I mean, my God, how <laughs> how many times did they rip the first entrant of Luke Skywalker coming in in CGI? Right even though it was actually pretty decent the first time. Not not to say that it was terrible. I mean, you look at how far CGI has come from the pair to yeah. young Luke now. It's not bad, but I don't know. So that's that's kind of that's what we got. That's kind of what we got out of it. And uh, there you go. Tis what it is. That's right. So at least we can still enjoy Solo. Whenever we want. That's right. Until on Disney take, Plus. This week's, until it gets <laughs> this week's episode is Disney sponsored Plus. by Disney Plus. <laughs> Sign up today and get HBO Max for, I don't know, money. Sign up, Sign up today before they take Solo off of Disney Plus. <laughs> and then put it back on the week after. And <sighs> Netflix will alternate with it for the rest of eternity. <laughs> There you go. All right. It'll dude. be taken off halfway through your watching and they will lose it. There you go. All right. Look, I think we need to start rolling into brotherhood. Cause that's, I mean, that's the title. That's the title of this. I think the title for this will be brotherhood plus Kathleen Kennedy's getting fired by Disney. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a funny-ish uh, comment near the end of the book that I said was in my head today that was going to be the title. Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, there were some funny moments in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll we will, you know, maybe you'll remember. Who knows? Yeah. All right, dude. Brotherhood. Uh, this is a book <laughs> written by Mike Chen, uh, dropped May Jonathan 10th. Jonathan Davis. Yes. Jonathan Davis makes his, his return, uh, released May 10th and, uh, 350 eh, ish pages in the book, mm -hmm. you know, depending on uh, hardcover 
softback, whatever, whatever you're doing, paperback. I don't know why I said softback, but <laughs> it sounds kind of dirty. Uh, the paperback. Um, and you know what? I was softback mountain. Just stop it. You stop it right there. I'm editing that out. No, I won't. I won't edit that out. Uh, so anyway, this was actually a book that I kind of had. Um, I kind of had high hopes for. You know what I mean? I actually yeah. was pretty interested in this. If I'm if I'm being honest, what were your uh, what were your thoughts? I came into this very excited. Um, Clone Wars era Obi Wan and Anakin is like some of my favorite content in all of Star Wars. So I was extremely excited, and I don't feel like it let me down whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. Um, I think that there was some further turning away from some characters that we've been talking about for a long time. I think it, it made some points and I think, I think that a few times perhaps it maybe didn't quite hit all the points as flushly as possible, but it was an enjoyable read. The audiobook was good. I do like Jonathan Davis. And if you were doing the audiobook format and, and it uh, wasn't, it wasn't obnoxious Nymordians. I was expecting it to be That's really That's true. That <laughs> is true. If this would have been Mark Thompson, he would have he would have had a heck of a time with this book. Everyone would have been new gunray. Yeah. Everybody. We must cut all communications down there. That's the best I could do <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Obi-Wan, if you are going to go to this planet, you cannot have a communicator. A communicator. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No communications with the Republic or the Jedi Order. They've crowned up the ventilation shaft. All right. So this is effectively really early, super early stages of the the Clone Wars. Really before, I mean, they're, they're kind of going on, but it's much more of a skirmish. You sort of have sides being drawn between you know mm -hmm. dooku's separatist faction and then the republic uh and then we also have basically the knighting of anakin anakin yeah. is uh, a jedi knight in this book this is you know where he sort of starts out his knighthood mm -hmm. he's equals now yeah with Obi -Wan, even though obi-wan's yeah. on the council yeah kind of <laughs> So this is actually one of those things that I thought we'd talk about a bit, talking about equal. Um, now, I guess at this point, you wouldn't necessarily translate Obi-Wan as the rank of Jedi Master, so to speak. Right. Obviously, he's a knight through pretty much the entire Clone Wars. At least in the very beginning. Now, to sit on the council... Aside from Anakin, <laughs> you had you, you. Oh wait, so does this break continuity technically? No, not well. No, because that he was still. No, it kind of does. Not really. Because he sat on the council and he didn't get the rank of master. Well, let, let's go through that. So Obi Wan takes a rotational seat mm -hmm. on the council that he shares with other Jedi of the Order. So th this was something, you know, kind of in the movie, it's like, man, yeah, Obi-Wan's on the council. Sweet. Yeah. He's totally replacing that one dude that Django killed really too easily. <laughs> you mean that? Yeah, that one, that one guy. 
But right now he is in a rotation, effectively trying to prove himself, kind of. Um, but I, I, I guess it is a little ambiguous, the master versus knight. But I would say that once we get onto the council permanently, which he does in this book, and we'll talk about that proving point, I would say he is a Jedi master, but it is a little ambiguous. Yeah, no, because they always refer to him as Jedi Knight through the Clone Wars. So, well, the, the but 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 a lot of people call Anakin Master Skywalker too. True. So True. the 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 titleage has always been a little janky. Yeah. So it's almost like they intentionally do that just to cover up their own mm-hmm. decanonization or recanonization yeah. of certain things. You know what else they kept doing in this book? Laser swords. Like how they many said plasma sword once? They didn't did. They? Yeah, they they For yeah, plasma sword. weapon. So plasma weapon, laser sword. It is a lightsaber, and I don't know but why. Is it plasma? No, it's not. Well, it's kind of is. It's it's superheated plasma, right? Yeah. I just don't understand the aversion to calling it a lightsaber. Like you know, you call it a laser sword once because like I, I one of the Nymordians calls it a laser laser sword. I get that. That's actually mm-hmm. okay, but it's constantly referred to as a laser sword. And I don't really understand. I know it's nitpicky, but it it is what it is. Like, don't do that. It's well, there are just certain things that kind of make you twitch when you see them. Like, 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 perfect example: the original poster for A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Looking at Darth Vader's lightsaber makes my eye twitch <laughs> you, you, <laughs> compared you, to what you actually get. You mean like the Shudo training, you know, yes. training stick? Hilt. Yes. Yeah. And when people, that makes my eye twitch. And when people call it a laser sword. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I mean, granted, yeah, George Lucas referred to it as a laser sword. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But it is a lightsaber. And I think it yeah. deserves to be called that. I know it's nitpicky, but that's what I believe. Well, it kind of ranks up there with like the argument of who shot first. It's like it doesn't even matter what's <laughs> true at this point. It's just what the fandom has chosen Mm -hmm. well it really depends on what year you watched the movie from right i do love the uh the lego star wars iteration of that it just shows the fight as like them with tables stood up on their ends back to back just blind firing at each other rapidly there's no clear you know who shot first type thing (laughs) yep Let's uh, let, let, let's sort of outline the major points here. Um, obviously, you guys should all read the book if you haven't, but there you go. So sort of the main plot is disaster on Cato Nymordia. We didn't hear that name too many times. Oh, boy. Oh, that planet. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they certainly called it the full thing. Yeah, it wasn't Nymordia. It was Cato Nymordia. And Cato Nymordians. Yeah. A lot. Exactly. More than they really should have. <laughs> and uh, so one of their city centers was attacked. It was bombed. Mm-hmm. And it fell from the sky. Yeah. And 
they blame the Republic because the Republic has not been completely fair to Nymoidians because Newt Gunray, leader of the Trade Federation, was kind of a dick. He did bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And even Duco makes a comment early in the books like, hey, I mean, we, we're just transactional with them. Right. I don't really pick sides. Yeah, and I, I did think that uh, it was kind of interesting how they, they droned down on the Nymoidians uh, being very, effectively everything is a calculation to them. It's all, mm-hmm. everything is calculated. However, as many times as they said it, I didn't really feel like they were all that calculating. No, they were kind of emotional and stupid. Yeah. To be quite honest. Yeah. So It's weird because yeah. at one point they're trying to make them out to be, well, their stereotype, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a banker's guild from like Game of Thrones in a way, like this is all we do. This you mean like the banking for. clan? The banking clan. Sorry, not guild. No, I'm talking about the banking but clan. But the Star Wars one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then they're like, but we have not a single person here doesn't know an artist, a, f- a, a, a musical artist, and um, a philosoph- philosopher of some kind. Like, we're, we're all just super artsy here, guys. We don't just crunch numbers. Yeah, I, I think um, they definitely wanted to differentiate the Trade Federation from Cato Nymoidia in a way that was almost exacerbated throughout the book. Like, yeah. they really wanted to, and, and I get it, I, I understand, because there are a lot of inter- uh, instances of that in just real life where I'm not that guy. You know, that might right. be an organization, but I'm not really with them. Like, I'm here, but I'm not with them type of deal. Um, Just kind of makes me wonder, though, if... I don't know, like, what if this book was centered around the techno union instead of the Nymordians? Like- because nobody can take the word techno union <laughs> seriously without going... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, yeah. I, I can't. I can't take the techno union. I mean, okay. We got but, spider people. Let's move, move on from that. My goodness. Uh, no, no, I, just, I guess I don't think to break down these small factions and dissect them that much. I mean, like, do we really want to humanize all these characters all that much, truthfully? Well, I didn't really mind it as much. Um, I, I think that there is a lot of gray area and I, to be honest with you, man, I actually think that it's very nice to explore the gray area and things, the nuance, because it's not something we do particularly well in today's day and age. We don't really, we don't really examine all the things that happen around. It's either one extreme or another. So I can appreciate that a little bit more, but like we yeah. kind of mentioned earlier, my only thing is, is like you're talking about this hyper calculating people and it didn't quite feel like that point got across as well to me. Right. I guess I just don't need to humanize them because I already think that the Republic sucks in this era and they're just bull crap and pride deserve to fall. So I don't <laughs> need 
I don't need to justify the fact that they're killing off all these people. See, I but, like I, I yeah, like how you I went. See what you're saying there. I like how you went with that. Instead of Anakin's view on here, kill all Nymoidians because they're all evil. You're all like, hey, you know what? The Republic sucks and they deserve to fall. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. All right, so I, I think that there are a couple of. Uh, couple of major points we need to uh, talk about here. So maybe let's outline and then we'll just pick one to follow throughout. So yeah. what I'm thinking is obviously all the stuff that happened on Cato and Imordia. That's the main storyline, right? It's our meat. I think we, uh, we also need to talk about the relationship of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm-hmm. And then I also think we need to talk about the, 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 the order, the Jedi order and the um, you know <laughs> slip a slip of slip of the tongue the Palpatine. chancellor chancellor palpatine so which of those three branches do you want to go on first hmm well and i will uh mention also i wouldn't mind talking a little bit about uh male alabeth and her relationship with anakin but i suppose mm-hmm. we could kind of tie that into the obi-wan anakin relationship do like a general jedi yeah, I, I, get, I guess we, we, I was going to kind of try and tie that into the, the Jedi Order, okay. so okay. to speak. But yes, I do want to talk about that too, so good good point. So, yeah, let's just get uh, old Papa Palps out of the way then. So, the Order and Palps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there are a couple of interesting things that happen here. I think it is interesting that we explore a little bit more of Anakin and Palpatine's relationship going to lunch periodically. Is it weird to say that I actually know, even knowing what happens, that it's an enjoyable portion of most of the books and even like the clone wars. It, it kind of, it kind of is because like Palpatine played this whole thing perfectly, like as mm-hmm. this fatherly figure where you're almost like, you know, maybe if Anakin hadn't have fallen in the lava and got his legs chopped off and he was still whole <laughs> and like he left Obi-Wan to die and so forth and he was still whole, like maybe if him he and impressed Palpatine, his dad. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's like you did well, Anakin. Now you are my favorite. So I mean, follower. Did, did you just call me son? Yes. My son, a present. Only one can only have one rule. Rule of two. One son. One son. <laughs> one apprentice. Wait, does that mean I'm son and apprentice or like you have another apprentice waiting? So don't, don't worry, worry about, about that. <laughs> is that Stark killer in the corner? No. That is no longer canon. Canon? <laughs> don't worry. Oh, God. What is that mask over there? That looks kind of cool. Revan? What? No, don't even go. Is that a Mandalorian mask, but it's kind of <laughs> not at the same time? Is that the helm of Mandalore? We don't talk about legends. <laughs> What's uh, a legend? Look, I like the relationship. It is kind of weird, but it's also kind of funny because there, there are even portions here where, like, uh, he was doing a speech and Anakin intuitively, like, recognizes when Palpatine has his little grin on. Yeah. You know, it's like he knows him that well kind of what deal. was ironic was the reference there was to him talking about the jedi order and how yeah. they'll take care of everything so like he totally didn't get the nuance of the little grin whatsoever yeah he only knew it was happening right um i think that uh 
I think that the one thing though that's very fascinating is the interaction of the order because in this book we have the transition of the order from peacekeepers to an integral part of the Republic's grand army answerable to Palpatine, not necessarily mm-hmm. answerable to themselves anymore. And Obi-Wan has yeah. a very negative reaction to this when it happens and Anakin's like all for it. But this for me outlines how bad that the, that the council is. And one more thing here, I think it also outlines how how uh, just terrible of a creature Yoda is. Because there's a part in here where they're talking about effectively field training younglings and making commanders out of Padawans. And Yoda's like, mm, sounds like a really good deal that is. I really enjoy that, Palpatine. It's like, are you nuts? Yeah, even uh, to kind of jump ahead a little, I guess, some spoilers here. You know, we have uh, a Padawan basically saying, yeah, I don't want to be a Jedi because I don't want to fight. I don't want to be a part of this war. And Yoda basically just says, well, we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll we're going to send you with another master and you maybe you'll rethink it, you will. But I, I've made, you'll rethink it, you will. <laughs> yeah i i didn't you know by the way yoda just totally almost stumbles at the end of this book which i thought was hilarious he like gets his stu- his stick stuck yeah, in the grate of yeah, a step right. <laughs> yoda yoda really has been taking a hit for a while yeah and the hits keep coming and i wonder if that's more like Disney deciding that they don't like Yoda or Disney deciding, you know, maybe we should point out of all Yoda's flaws yeah, that are clearly there. Well, then you could start making a lot of conversation about maybe Yoda wasn't the right person to train Luke. And maybe the reason why Luke failed in canon was because of Yoda, because Yoda was not a good master. No, he wasn't a good Jedi. I'm sorry. He had a command of the force but I don't know. Why couldn't Ben have just continued the training as a ghost? Like, like, yeah, I mean, Ben couldn't like hang on his back or whatever, but he could have taught him, you know, mentally he could have prepared him for a lot of things. Like, like Luke, if you go in that cave, you'll totally have to fight your father who I haven't told you is your father yet, but it'll be yourself (laughs) and it'll really mess you up mentally. Don't do it. Luke, it's time for training. It's 5 a.m., Ben. I am an astral projection. I do not have a concept of time anymore. Get up. I was up at 3 a.m. to watch you grow in the sand dunes of Tatooine, keeping the Tusken Raiders away from your farm, dealing with your uncle, who's a total jerk, ignoring all the women throwing themselves at me until I started getting sunfade because I had to take care of you. Get up and train. You don't understand how many women just threw themselves at me. It was the beard, Luke. It was the beard. Grow a beard. You'll get all the women. I was swimming. Swimming in women, Luke. And I don't even want women. I was swimming in them. You mean I can get Leia? Uh, uh, no, not that one. No beard. 
No beard. No, oh, don't, don't go after Leia. Why not? I'll tell you in the next movie. Look for Sith women. <laughs> just, just look for Sith women. <laughs> or nice pacifists. <laughs> Jeez, you really seem to live on the extremes, Ben. Yes, only pacifists. Extreme pacifists who will die for their cause. All Sith women. God, Obi. Obi-Wan. Okay, back to it. Back to it. Um, another person around, you will find a love of your life. <laughs> the other one we need to talk about is Mace Windu because they really, they oh, really get. I did want to mention that. Yes. And I still haven't decided how I feel about that, but yeah, Mace is just essentially the worst character in this book. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is it, a jackass. It's clear. He does not like Anakin. He's, he, he's, very judgmental. Anakin clearly knows it. And like, look, we know that Mace Windu was suspicious of Anakin, but like to this extent, it seemed a little extreme. And even at the end when they're facing off against Palpatine and all the Jedi masters get murked, like, like little freaking amateurs. And he's like, you know, look, yeah, you got to trust me. Okay. I will trust you. Finally, but you, you got to like stay here. And even when he comes, he's like, we need to kill a mannequin. Right. This isn't yeah, the I mean, Jedi way. It, it really does add to the nuance of that scene, I guess, quite a bit. And we discussed this the other day, you know, what would have been different if he hadn't been the one leading the charge yep. and all that. But Again, it's almost like Disney trying to humanize the decisions of an evil character. It's like, well, to an extent, was Anakin so wrong? You know, that kind of thing. Like, because he he tormented him his entire life. (laughs) Yep, that's how they portrayed it, for sure. And again, just outlines. it's, It's the black and white thing. You know, we're switching to black and white for everything. Uh Kind of. I think that that's more part of the, the, the attempt at nuance there. But I don't know. Mace Windu, eventually we have to figure out a canon way to kind of uh, either revitalize that character or bring it, bring it in, just sort of bring it into like the forgiveness factor because we're really, mm-hmm. we're really knocking on, we've knocked on Mace for a long time. Do you think a part of that now is because of Boba Fett and why we're trying to make him such a sympathetic character and we can just throw out there, oh, the reason I don't like the Jedi is because of this one Jedi who killed my father and all that stuff. I mean, Mm. or or set up for him to be a villain in a Boba Fett season two, like bring him back. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, have another face off at the end of the season. Like we haven't seen yeah. that before. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not sure. <sighs> or hey, maybe they become friends and he buys Mace new cyber hands. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't hate you anymore. Are you are you sure? Yeah, I, I don't. Here, let me take you to this really cool guy. He has, he has, uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get into a different voice. He has some really cool stuff. <laughs> He'll give you robot hands. Look, look at everyone around me. They're all a bunch of robots. You know, 
most of the uh, most of the fan art for you know uh, uh, Mace Windu of this era does show him with like a cyborg eye, so it'd be really fitting yeah. to get the cyborg implant. We'll see. Okay, let's uh, let's move. Uh, you you want to do sort of Obi Wan Anakin, or do you want to do the main line and then kind of run Obi Wan Anakin? Um. Yeah. It's a tough question. They do intertwine so much. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think maybe we do the main I, line. I think almost main line. It, yeah. yeah, expostulate a little bit more. We get on a that. lot more nuance of that relationship later in the book. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, Kato and I Moiti is bombed. New Republic's to blame or bl- being blamed. And Obi Wan is sent in as kind of an emissary of the, the Republic to get to the truth, get to the bottom of this. He's a gumshoe now. And there is a little bit of a debate even to, to send someone, you know, Dooku's involved at this point making stipulations, you know, no communicators, no backup, just you and a regular ship. Communicator. Yeah. Come on down and have fun with the Nymoidians. Well, Anakin in classic Anakin fashion, of course, gives Obi-Wan a communicator, long range communicator in a, in a, in a, unscannable box that's also a chemical uh, analyzer. Yeah, it can only be destroyed by a lightsaber. Well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Definitely. Um, So Obi-Wan does wind up going to Kato Nymordia, and we meet another kind of fan favorite character here in Asajj Ventress. Yeah. And this this is essentially our... uh, first introduction which mm-hmm. i don't think they ever acknowledged her as a new character in clone wars so that that kind of is cool yeah that we finally get that origin story of course we already heard from her in uh dooku jedi lost but um well that was the flashback well i mean that was that was and we didn't really have time. an interaction necessarily so so yeah it's been a long time since we've heard from Asajj, which I think it's awesome. Yeah. Asajj is a really good book character. Mm-hmm. She is creepy in books, and I love it. <laughs> yes, another one of the, the legions of Obi-Wan's fans, though. Oh, she's totally all over him. All <laughs> over him. Obi-Wan, you dog. Um, so anyway, uh, we get a tour of the planet, initial readings, and then Obi-Wan goes to sneak out uh, to investigate more. And then he meets a couple of Nymoidians who are named Ketor and Rug. Rug. I remember that one. Thank you. <laughs> so Rug has been a like special forces, you know, crazy killery kind of Nymoidian super soldier. And uh, Kito- Which is just funny because it's hard to picture any Nymordian in anything but the flowing little robe thing. I know. I know exactly what you mean. The freaking hat. Yep. <laughs> well, Kitar is her kind of uh, apprentice type of thing, mm-hmm. essentially. And they're in the uh, kind of just city guard at this point. And Rug kind of intuitively trusts Obi-Wan. And kind of helps him out throughout the uh, the book, either with investigation or the eventual sort of conflicts as well. I actually kind of like the character of Rug. Yeah, I did too. 
I had no issue whatsoever with Rug. Yeah. Didn't like Ketor. Well, he wasn't meant to be liked. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, he's kind of posted as a sympathetic character to an extent, just misguided. Yeah. Kind I don't of, know. Yeah. Well, through Obi-Wan's investigations, he finds a secret bunker. Ooh, secret. With a pad that seemingly implicates the Republic as being involved mm-hmm. in this bombing. Well, I mean, if Ventress is here, we obviously know, you know, Count's got his finger in this pie. And um, basically it comes to pass that realistically, and we're moving fast here, but realistically it was a Separatist who, you know, effectively orchestrated this in order to bring more systems into the Separatist movement, Mm -hmm. Uh, which isn't necessarily, you know, the dumbest thing they've ever done. You know, um, not stupid. Yeah, not (laughs) stupid. But Ventress is kind of a few steps ahead. She's influencing Kitar, poisoning his mind here, and using him as her tool. And Obi Wan, you know always described as like the master negotiator and the diplomat and everything kind of fumbles a little bit through this whole thing. I think. Yeah. It's, it's almost portrayed as like a intentional fumbling near the end, Mm -hmm. but clearly it isn't. It's just kind of like a, an unrefined version of what Qui-Gon would do. I feel like maybe, I mean, I think one thing is, is like, you know, he was told very implicitly, no communicators, right? Communication blackout to Coruscant, no communicators. Breaks the rules, but then continues to ask for their trust. It's like, but they can't. They they shouldn't trust right. you because, you know, you have evidence that, you know, Obi-Wan, he didn't directly take that pad to anybody. He wanted to verify it first, which, you know, is technically smart, but he didn't really prove himself to be very trustworthy. Unfortunately. Yeah. Even going into his speech, which was uh, a very good portion of the book. I mean, it was probably one of my favorite parts. It, it all falls on deaf ears. I mean, none of these people care Mm -hmm. enough about the Republic to really give him a chance. Hey, totally trust me, everybody. We are we're we're totally cool here. We didn't we didn't mess with anything. We're we're good guys. Oh, the Republic. Yeah. Oh, wait, wrong era. Uh, so he does get in a bad way. Effectively, he is attempted to be put under arrest. Um, then he kind of leads an escape you know, hides his lightsaber, is caught intentionally, um, is tried, Mm -hmm. and loses. And then Anakin shows up to help. I'm helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I did. The problem is Anakin decided, you know what? We're going to do a field trip for the class. It's going to be fun. I, I just enjoyed the part where Obi-Wan is trying to summon his hidden lightsaber, and as it's coming towards him, Anakin also does his, you know, hero leap in and effectively gets 
mildly slashed by Obi-Wan's yeah. blade because they intersect at the same point. It's like, my God, can you just stay out of your own way, man? Come on. Right. Yeah, and it's uh, expounded about quite a bit in this book because this is essentially right after what happens in Attack of the Clones. Uh, we kind of talk about um, his robot hand, how terrible he is at controlling it still. Kind of interesting because he does he does only like, it's like a fraction off, but it's messing out. Effectively, it's messing up his whole equilibrium, which yeah, is not which something, is something we've something... explored. It's something mentioned multiple times in this book. I, there's even one section very late in the book, uh, which I thought was pretty cool, where Obi-Wan's fighting with a certain character. I won't throw out the name right away. And they even mention, like, to the degree, like, he raises two fingers up off the hilt for perfect balance and equilibrium. And I, I don't know. It was kind of cool how they use that to kind of give an example of how messed up Anakin's balance is right now because of that hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's always been something framed as a benefit in star Wars mm-hmm. for the most part to have a biotic hand. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, I mean, he's a tinkerer, right? He's right. an engineer. You would like, think he'd be able to just get everything adjusted yeah. to spec for himself. Yeah. I thought about that a little bit during the book. Um, anyway, so we are... Obi-Wan is basically a fugitive at, towards the end of this book as it, as it kind of lingers in Nymoidia. He doesn't really make his point. And they, as you said, didn't really hear him. Mm-hmm. I, so I think that that's interesting that really there was not a positive resolution here on Nymoidia, necessarily. We do get a face-off with, um, with Ventress, between Ventress and Anakin. And it is a difference between you know, books and like the cartoon and everything where I think Anakin could have pretty single handedly have taken out Ventress in the cartoon. But in this, he had a lot of trouble and granted they do blame it on the hand, but I don't think And this one thing I will praise this book about, they really did key in on the arrogance of Anakin, like hardcore yeah, arrogance, cocky attitude, even when not faced with adversity. I mean, they they framed, they focused on the specific relationship and the differences between the two quite a bit throughout this book, and yeah. I think that was very well done. Yeah, exactly. So he he's having trouble with Ventress. Eventually, he kind of he kind of does flip the switch a little bit and feels a lot more in flow with the force and is able to, is able to, you know, kind of turn the tide a bit, but really, really it's only kind of ended, so to speak, when Obi-Wan shows up. And one thing I do want to, I did want to point out here. I'm glad I uh, popped back in my brain because I was thinking about it. So Anakin kind of makes 
a bit of a of a revelation to himself that while fighting for someone that's kind of his force power so to speak that's when he is in most connection with the force so my question to you is do you think he lost to obi-wan because he wasn't fighting for anyone anymore i mean effectively he choked out padme he hates his brother now obi-wan mm-hmm. and Although he's flowing through the dark side, that's not his strong suit. His strong suit is the reason why he has a blue blade. He's a protector. Mm. So good point. Good point there. Um, Yeah, I like the idea of that, which kind of leads towards, I mean, I feel like as far as power scaling goes, Clone Wars era, Anakin's always been kind of the strongest, I think. Oh, yeah. So it would make a lot of sense as to why that is, seeing as how that's when he had the most people to actually defend. Well, also think about this. He is able to overthrow the emperor only after he starts fighting for his son. Yep. I mean, think about that, because in the comics, he did kind of fight the emperor, and he lost. Yeah. He wasn't able to over... Because, again, he's not fighting for anyone. Fighting with anger is not Anakin Skywalker's strong suit. That He's got a lot of anger in him, but the best he can do is destroy all the sand people. But a true force wielder, I don't think he can do it unless he is truly fighting for someone. And not a cause, but someone, people. Anakin's connection is people. Yeah, and I, I think that they framed that really well with this, uh, oh... What's what's the story that Shmi tells him the, oh, the the sun dragon or the sun dragon thing? Oh God, everything's a dragon. Probably has a dragon <laughs> tattoo somewhere. The Jedi with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> yes, yes, that is probably a fanfic somewhere. Okay. So we kind of deal with Ventress, sort of. Um, And then we escape off planet. Obi-Wan is praised. Anakin's disobedience of the Jedi Order just kind of goes unpunished, not even really talked about. And then I think what you wanted to talk about and I also want to talk about is really Mill Alabeth, who is, uh, she's a youngling. She's an initiate. She's not even a Padawan at this point. Yes, old Mill, like, legitimately the only other person I'd ever want to see Obi-Wan or Anakin take under their wing and actually be master to. Obviously, Anakin can't at this point, but it would have been really cool Mm -hmm. if they could have squeezed into can. It's like, oh, yeah, that's Obi-Wan's apprentice now. (laughs) So, uh, first first, uh, appearance, by the way. Brand new character, Zabrak. And... Very empathetically powered, like yes. any sort of mention of violence, war, any of that causes her like great pain. Yeah, like this is Emery times a thousand. Yes, <laughs> but she she has a very strong personality. She's not. Um, She's not. She's not timid. so meek because of this weakness. Yeah, 
this crippling, you know, connection to the force that she has, that she doesn't have anything but that. Like, she she could be a good character without these powers, truthfully. Right. And really, the only reason why she came to the attention of Anakin was because she was cutting herself off from the Force, and Anakin mm-hmm. felt it as like a void. And think about right. that for a second. She created a void in the Force. I I wonder at that point if that's almost like dealing with a Yuzen Vong. Mm. If you're cutting yourself off from the Force wholeheartedly, is that how you'd be perceived? I don't know. Maybe I just thought it was interesting because like, I mean, Ray didn't necessarily automatically know that Luke had cut himself off from the force. She guesses it later. Right. So is that something that people can really feel? And this girl is sitting here literally creating voids in in the force around her, she's not deleting herself. She's deleting the force. Right. It's pretty crazy, honestly. Um, so that's kind of how she comes to the attention of Anakin. And then she goes off on an adventure with him, you know, into the danger zone, which is utterly ridiculous. And then ultimately is fought over by, Anakin and and uh, Ventress. Ventress wants to steal her. <laughs> yeah, you definitely throughout that battle felt like there was a chance maybe that we were going to get some new cannon added in and like Ventress stole her and secretly trained her throughout the Clone Wars or something crazy like that. I don't think they have the stones for that right now. Yeah, clearly they played it safe with the... Uh, outcome they chose but it was still good it was still an intense moment yeah i i did i thought it was really cool and a cool character i wouldn't mind learning more about her but you know her story kind of ends going off with another jedi master she's not even really out of the order you know but she's just no longer a warrior she's also a kid so Mm -hmm. yes turn you to the streets we will Go join it's kind Ahsoka. Of a shame because it's a who's Ahsoka? Oh, that's the wrong timeline. Never mind. Sorry, Force Vision of the future. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, man, it's kind of a shame that Clone Wars is already wrapped because, like, it would have been cool if this character was introduced beforehand, and then every once in a while we just run into her on the battlefield. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. Do a yeah, that could have been cool. Or something a little adventure for sure. All right, uh, you want to just get into the final here, just start talking about Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, but wait, <laughs> fake you out, because first we have to talk about Anakin and Padme's relationship. <laughs> well, that's kind of tied in, because you get to see Obi-Wan be a complete idiot. Idiot. Uh, he's not an idiot. He just doesn't want to think his friend's banging a chick. They can't possibly be together. Maybe he's just infatuated. I remember a long time ago I was infatuated and I made decisions. <laughs> and I left, so clearly Anakin would do the same. Oh my God, is that my oh ex-girlfriend God. on the television? No! <laughs> Dex, we don't talk about her. Don't bring up that woman. 
What do you know, Obi-Wan? <laughs> Didn't you, weren't you seeing that Mandalorian girl? You still keep in contact? Still got her number in your little black book, don't you, buddy? Here, eat pie with me. Here's some cake. I get six pieces, you get one. <laughs> and then if you want more information, I get your cake. <laughs> Wait a minute. But you still pay either way. <laughs> Wait. That doesn't seem like very good economics, does it? Maybe this is why I only support myself with the diner and no one buys information from me. I actually liked having Dex back again. Yeah. You know, he was kind of a outlandish character in Clone Wars, but, you know, Obi-Wan goes where he needs to find information and, and Dex... We don't really know how they met and how that relationship formed, but it is kind of funny. But it's awesome the way it is, honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like how even they mention it with Anakin. Like he clearly knows of the relationship and everything. He's like, oh, I need to go back to the diner. I haven't been there for a while. Yeah, it's like, well, when are you going to tell me about what you need to tell me? Maybe we could do it over cake. <laughs> you want to go right now? It's like, well. Well, I mean, not right now. I'll tell you about the, the, the dragon thing. No, Anakin. We're not talking about the dragon. We're talking about Padme. <laughs> I know what you've been doing. I know. I was young once. Brass, oh, just like you. It was about a year ago. <laughs> when I was young, I used to date a Mandalorian queen. Duchess. Duchess. She's a pacifist now. Still pretty cool. Very blonde. Might have a a, a semi-canon daughter together. We haven't decided yet. <gasps> Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday she'll be canon. Oh, boy. Yes. Obi-Wan's got to have some children running around out there in the cosmos. Oh, now that would be an interesting turn of events since we're so obsessed with Mandalorians. We have the... The canonized daughter of Duchess and Obi-Wan, who is a Mandalorian, just show up randomly and interact with Luke. Yeah. Hello, Master Skywalker. I have cl- I've came to claim my father's blade. Your father? Yes. I'm the daughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> da, 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 I, don't, I don't have your father's blade. That... that thing is on the Death Star. Oh. I blew that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Okay, I guess uh, I, you want to go get coffee or something? I don't know. I mean, I came all the way here. It's like, you want to go find the hell of Mandalore? What? Yeah, it's not canon anymore, but like... You know, Darksaber? Darksaber? You want to do the Darksaber? Yeah. Oh, I know where that is. <laughs> we're we're gonna, not messing with that. We're, we're going to do the Darksaber mission. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. Um, the, the, the Padme thing, they're, they're such kids. And like... Yeah. The, do this you remember... Like the earliest iteration after the marriage, too, that we get to see. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting. And, and it's like, they're so in love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Almost sneaking around the seedy underbelly of Coruscant just to go on a date together. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's cute in a way, right? Yeah. It, it, it's got a certain, well, just a certain young, a certain young love aspect to it, which, you know, I think that this is why episode two was so cringy to a lot of people. You know, it's not that it was, um, it's not that it was truly cringy, but it's because it was starring two effectively teenagers and yeah. teenagers are cringy that this is what and teenagers I feel like the are. Story, and honestly, the story is better in book form. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it kind of takes away that cringy aspect a bit. Yeah. Very true. Do you remember the movie of Bronx tale? Mm hmm. So absolutely. One of my, I, I personally, it is probably one of my top five movies like period. Oh, yeah. Great, great movie. And there, Sunny. there was a, sunny. there was a line in there that he said, he, he starts talking to the kid about, you know, there are like three great ones you'll have. Right. So three great mm-hmm. loves in your life. And it is almost like the exact carbon copy of Anakin and Padme's love. It's hot. It's, it's um, it, it it's kind of kind of weird. All consuming. All consuming. That's your first. That's it's your first like love. Yeah, I think they even mentioned fire. Oh no, fire and ice. That was that was yeah. The, that was a combination of that Anakin and Obi Wan. But that was the comment I was gonna make. It's like <laughs> yeah, Star Wars Brotherhood. A Tale of Fire and Ice. (laughs) Don't copyright me. (laughs) I really wish they wouldn't have made that analogy. But anyway, so, but but this is like a real first love type of thing. They're obsessed. And the thing is, is that in most cases, that kind of love doesn't last. It Mm -hmm. gives way because you have to learn. If you have something that burns that hot, most of the time it, it, it just, it winds up fizzling because it's just too hot. It burns out. Mm-hmm. And then, well, it kind of did because Anakin gets so jealous and is so influenced by the dark side, he literally chokes out his wife. You know what I mean? Right. So you, you kind of have to temper that love a bit with experience. And that's why, like in a Bronx tale, it's like you get three. You know what I mean? You're going to have the first love that you think is forever, but it's not because you have no experience. The second one is usually the one that you screw up. That's the one that got away. And then you finally get into the third, which is, I mean, this wasn't really in the movie, but it is usually reality. That's either going to be the soulmate, the true one, or your, your settler, your settlement. Right. This is the settled, the settled love, but it's still love either way. But, you know, for Anakin, this is just, it's just so weird. Right. <laughs> They're just, oh boy. But you know, it's also cute. It's also mm-hmm. cute in its way. You know, they're forbidden Romeo and Juliet it's, stuff. I'm sure it's getting into a realm of force manipulation. You don't even want to think about, but like it almost makes you wonder if like the passion that Anakin felt for Padme if that's what produced such a strong force wielder when they had a child. Maybe. In a way. Part of what passed on all that power to Luke. Possible. Very possible. Interesting thought. Well, you want to talk about the real love story, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Fire and ice. The, the Rug. The, no. <laughs> no. Rug and Obi Wan. <laughs> no. Fire fire and ice and the the thinker and the fighter and the politician and the warrior and the you know, the two halves that make the whole, the yin and the yang. Obi Wan and Anakin. Oh, I hate boy. you. I loved you. I hate you, but I love you. I know. <laughs> the first I know. The OG I know. Oh, God. You know, the, the thing is, is that... Oh, <laughs> that just made me think of, like, <laughs> that scene where Han Solo is like, I know. And just in Darth Vader's mind, it's like, oh, he did the thing that I did with my master. Oh, God. Stop. <laughs> It is interesting, though, because it does illustrate a lot of things. The two of them, the, the, the two of them were probably not the best master and apprentice, but when oh they God, became, no. in quotations, equals, they were able to complement each other because, in a way, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan didn't have the all-encompassing sort of fighting spirit as much. I think he was a lot more like his master than Anakin was. But at the same token, Anakin was so influenced by Qui-Gon that despite his primary being a warrior, he also kind of recognizes in a way his own flaws. And that is why the two of them match so, excuse me, so well after they get over the master and apprentice role. And they're more, they're more brothers, they're friends, they're brothers in arms, they're reliant. The, the, the actual relationship they have though I, this is a flawed comparison but when you think of Dooku's apprentices you, mean, you know you, you have Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and Rail Avaros it, it's kind of like that like you had two distinctly different uh, Padawans that you raised up and they had a link in Dooku they cared about him deeply and that allowed them to bond and be like brothers in a way and that's kind of the relationship that Anakin and Obi-Wan should have gotten to have Yeah, because ultimately Qui-Gon should have been able to survive to train Anakin which of course we got into we, we get into that all the time because Will of the Force and all that but that's the kind of relationship they ended up forming even though it's completely different from Qui-Gon and Rail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they acknowledge it in this book in a very good way. You know, they acknowledge that they'll always have that tie to Qui-Gon. And that's the relationship that Obi-Wan never really thought about up until the point in this book. Yeah. And, and obviously the build-up for all this is, you know, the title card saying it out loud, even though they didn't, you know, it's like, yeah, this is why we're brothers, because this is what has happened in our lives together to temper us into that relationship. Yeah, and it makes it all that much more sad, you know, yeah, the, the ending absolutely. the ending of that, because they did, and, and they both realize that, that particular bond. You know, one thing that I think is the saddest thing in this book, it's not the acknowledgement of how close they were. It's whenever Obi-Wan decided not to reach out to Anakin about something Mm -hmm. that he was concerned about. Yep. 
And that just added so much weight. Because I kept thinking about it. Every time Obi-Wan brought up something like, well, I really should call him out on the whole Padme thing. Or I'm worried about his aggression or anything like that. It makes you think of not quite the midpoint of the Mustafar fight, but at the point where Obi-Wan says, I failed you. Yeah. Yeah. When he finally realizes everything that he did, not that it's his fault, ultimately. I mean, Anakin made a decision, but he can see everything that he did that helped shape this man into who he is or, at that moment in that fight. Do. And didn't. Yes. Yeah. And it, it adds a lot of, it, it makes me want to rewatch Revenge of the Sith after reading this book. Yeah. And this is probably something I will re-listen to pretty much right away after this review. I mean, it was, again, anything with Obi-Wan and Anakin, anything Clone Wars era is always going to be one of my favorites, but this one really hit home, and it makes you think of a lot of the nuances of the movies. Yes, sir. certainly does. Is there anything else we need to really talk about? No, I mean, there's probably a few things that we kind of gloss over here, but I think we've hit everything important. A, a thing that sparks a good debate. Yeah. Discussion. Okay. So let's go ahead and do some ratings. Um, out of five, what are you rating it and why? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the majority of this rating, I just explained why. It, it, everything that brings nuance to the Mustafar fight and a few other little things that happen in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I'm going to give this a 4.7 because I thought it was an exceptional story in general. I thought a lot of the dialogue was well done. Um, even on the stance of like Audible, it was not cringeworthy with the Nymordians, which is something the second I realized that's what the book was about, I was kind of worried about. Yeah. But they handled about as well as you can with Nymordians, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it was a good story. It's a very good setup to the Clone Wars. It is a book that makes me want to re-watch so many things all at once that I think that says a lot about the story told in the book. Yeah. When it makes me want to watch an entire seven-season TV show and two full-length movies over again yeah. so yeah very good book good stuff all right um let me see here what do we have ratings wise on all the other places huh uh 4.4 on the goodreads not many reviews only 259 4.42 Looking like Audible's at 276 ratings of four and a half stars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I I very much enjoyed this book. Uh, it was captivating. I didn't feel the need for any, like, uh, starting and stopping. I really wanted to kind of get through it. The story itself was relatively simple. But it was it was good. It was a good kind of like Clone Wars episode. But the background nuance of um, Obi Wan and Anakin throwing in Padme here, uh, Mill, the new character, 
among some of the other subtleties with Palpatine, um, Dooku, and Ventress, I think we're all very well represented here. And we did nitpick a few things in the beginning, but um, but that's not really it's not really relevant uh, to to anything specifically. Um, nice to see Jonathan Davis in. You know, tagging in sometimes, you know, we, we've been a little bit burnt out on Mark Thompson and even Robert Petkoff at times, too. But um, overall, I think it was a good production audible wise, and I think it was a good overall book. And um, yeah, I, I don't really have much in the way to complain about it. Uh, I would say that I think I'm going to do a 4.6 on it. A uh, good overall book, definitely worth the read and uh, and or listen. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think that's what we got. So what did you say? Four point seven five and a four point six. Four point seven. Okay, four point seven, four point six. So yeah, right in the ballpark, a little higher than the uh, review sites, but nothing nothing too crazy there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there we go. Certainly a little higher than a uh, rising storm. Mm, approaching, approaching storm. storm I know. Sorry. I keep calling it rising storm too. Uh, that's that's the High Republic book, which I don't think we really reviewed that too highly either. No, not really. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. Anything else we need to go over before we bounce on out of here? No, I think we're good to go. Sweet. Well, folks, hopefully you enjoyed listening uh, to this episode. If you did, obviously, you know, just make sure to listen to more and listen to each episode two to three to four to 10, 15,000 times so that we amp up those numbers. You know, we got to... We got times. We got to break those numbers up. We got to get them higher and higher. Um, hundred t- times. Contingency plan podcast forever. hundred years. hundred hundred views. hundred episodes. hundred hundred years. hundred downloads. hundred per- person hundred downloads million people hundred accounts yeah hundred accounts (laughs) (laughs) oh man but uh, be sure to check us out on the social media we are on facebook uh twitter at tc plan podcast or if you just want to send us some theories or you know just let us know how we're doing uh tc plan podcast gmail.com is the email address be happy to discuss anything if you have some topics for us we're always uh, happy to discuss those but that's it so y'all have a good rest of your week And as always, may the Force be with you.